Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. Always bring your Bible to church. Always bring your Bible to church. If you don't have your Bible, just steal your neighbor's. Always bring your Bible to church. If you don't know what your Bible says, you don't know your rights. What's everybody say whenever they get, you know, they feel like something is unjust? The Constitution says, because the Constitution is supposed to be what enunciates our rights in the United States of America. The Bible is your Constitution. It enunciates your rights. And so if you don't know what the Bible says, you don't know your rights. You don't know what the Bible says. You have to believe what somebody told you the Bible says. And most of the people in my life that have told me what the Bible says were wrong. Not all of them, but most of them. God's given me some great Bible teachers in my life. But most of the people that, you know, I, I worked with and, and, and even still work with today and projects and whatnot, you know, everybody says, well, doesn't the Bible say something like this or the Bible says this? And I'm like, no, it doesn't say that at all. Like I had a guy the other day, he's a good friend of mine. He said to me, he goes, he goes, doesn't the Bible say you're not supposed to ask God for anything? I said, no. And I, I don't want to make light of it because, I mean, it was a very sincere conversation. He's a dear friend of mine. I said, it's not what it says at all. So if you don't know what the Bible says, you don't know your rights. Does this make sense? So you got you to gotta bring your Bible to church, bring you something to write with, be digital, can be uh, old school. I like these. I like these notebooks uh, because I, I don't know why. I literally write the notes and then take a picture of them. <laughs> so I like. I like. I'm doubling up, I guess. And sometimes I'll go and I'll copy them into a digital format. Um, but but I like it because I, I I just like writing. I think I like writing. I don't know why I like those, but I always have something to write with because you never know when something's going to be said that you're going to want to remember. And the scripture says that you should write your, the vision and make it plain. One translation says to write it so clearly that you can read it while you are running. The reason that you need to be able to read it while you are running is because you're supposed to run your race. The only sheep that God doesn't use is the sheep that won't move. The Bible says that his rod and his staff comfort us. The only time a rod and a staff is comfortable to a sheep is when the sheep is in movement and then they become a guiding factor and they become a comfort because they will be used to defend you against the wolves. But if you are laying still, God will need to use his rod that was designed to keep the wolves at bay to poke you along and get you actually moving. Which is why you are supposed to be moving in God and not stagnant in God. Does this make sense? So you always bring your Bible to church so you can write down something that speaks to you. I always, I see so many people out in, in, in town and whatnot and I always get a trip out of this. Somebody said to me the other day and, and you know, I, I like to cook whether you know it or not. So I was at the grocery store and I, I like to cook and one of the things that I really like to cook is spaghetti and meatballs. I like, I like to take my time. I, I like to, I like to cut all the vegetables up. I don't want to buy the vegetables that are already cut up. I want to cut them up myself. 
And, and the reason I want to cut them up is because they say if you work with your mind, you rest with your hands. If you work with your hands, you rest with your mind. And if you have a sharp knife and you're dicing an onion, you can't think about nothing else. Or you'll be looking like this. You know what I'm talking about? So I like to cut up all the vegetables and I like to think about what we're going to cook. And I like to go to the store and I like to, uh, I, I like Crystal and the kids to go with me. And we, we pick the right pepper and we pick the right garlic and, and all the other stuff. And I have no clue what you're supposed, how you're supposed to choose them. I just choose the prettiest ones. <laughs> I like to go through the, 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 you know, the different sections, the, the Italian section and the, and the Spanish section and all the different sections of the grocery store and crystals. I'm like, I'm like, do you believe that they have rice that's like a different color? She's like, yeah. Like they've always kind of had that. I'm like, that's crazy. Put it in the basket. We got to try that. So I like cooking and I, I ran into somebody at the store the other day and they said, they said, this is so awesome. I was like, what? You're doing stuff. I said, well, what? I said, that's cool. I said, well, we just always see you like preaching, you know? And so like you're, you're pushing a, a, a grocery cart. I'm like, yeah. Walking upright, you know? Doing pretty good. Uh, the other day, another young girl uh, was with her mother, and and she goes, she looks at me, she goes, "Are you him?" And I'll be honest with you, I looked her straight in her face and I said, "Yes." <laughs> she turned, she ran to her mom, she said, "It's the pastor." I said, "Doggone, I'm gonna put T H E on the front of my business cards." I'm not, I'm the pastor. Ask her. I said, I am. She said, it's good to see you. I said, it's good to see you too. She said, I know your wife. (laughs) I said, I know. All the kids know my wife. She's wonderful. But what, what, what happens is when I go to the grocery store, if I go without a list, Number one, I get off track. I'm like, let's make spaghetti and brownies and tacos. (laughs) Oh, wow, they have sushi in the grocery store. I'll try it all. (laughs) Baby, did you know they have cookies here? She's like, yeah, I knew they had cookies. Where do you think all the cookies you eat came from? (laughs) I don't know. Cookie fairy? (laughs) But if you don't have your list, it doesn't matter how important the ingredients were. It's very easy to forget them. And how many of you ever seen somebody in the grocery store like this? Because I'm I'm probably the worst about it. I'm walking through the grocery store, pushing the cart. I'm on autopilot (laughs) and just reading my list. I'm reading it while I am running. See, you don't just take a note because it's culturally appropriate in a charismatic church. 
You take a note so that while you are running your race outside of these walls, you can actually recall what you knew you needed to do or to retrieve throughout the week. That's why we do it. It's not, it's not, I'm telling you one of the quickest things to sneak in on a Christian is I already know that. One of the quickest things is, is I've already heard that. Well, let me tell you something. You want a secret? David beats Goliath every time we read it. But if you go into it with that mentality, you do not, you limit your ears Because Jesus constantly talked about people who had ears, but not just ears, ears to hear. So you gotta come into this place, you gotta tune into a live stream, you gotta watch a sermon back, and you gotta tune your ears to hear. So that you're not, so that you're not just treating this like, like it's days of our lives. We're not just treating this like it's, like it's, you know, uh, uh, our favorite sitcom. We're going to the word of the living God that will not, will not return void. It will accomplish what it's been set out to do. So that's a long form way of saying bring your Bible to church. It's kind of the why behind it. If you don't, if you don't want to bring paper, that's, that's cool. I read it out of my iPad or if I don't have my iPad with me, I keep it on my phone. You put that Bible in front of you because the other thing it does is it gets you very comfortable with it. Because the more comfortable you get with your Bible, the more comfortable. Jamie, thank you very much. I'll give Jamie a big we love you. I'm just going to go right into the message, I think. Is that cool? I kind of already am just taking a different route. Than I thought. But what happens is you bring your Bible to church, and all of a sudden you get more comfortable and you get more familiar with it. Like, like, like we just got a bunch of new appliances, and one of the first things to figure out is like, how does the how do they work? Like the dishwasher has all these different buttons, and I don't have any clue. The first day, which one to push to make them turn on. But now you get a little more familiarity with it and it's no longer a math problem. Now it's a tool in your hand. You ever, you ever seen like, like a, like a carpenter or, uh, in construction? If you watch somebody and, and they're working with a tool and it just looks like an extension of their body, but you, Put it in your hand, and the first thing you do is hit your thumb. That's because they have worked with it more, and they are more familiar, and it has transitioned from something that they grab to a tool that they are in the process of using. Does this make sense? So the Bible is supposed to be a tool for us to use. And don't let its large amount of pages and words intimidate you. Let them inspire you that you get to spend the rest of your life reading and rereading it and looking for secrets and nuggets and truths and things that will set you free. And you will never, ever, ever run out of content. Who in here has ever watched a series on Netflix? Just wave at me. 
I like, I like watching, uh, I like that version of television. I don't like waiting a week or two weeks for the next one to come out. The, the, my problem is I'll just watch the first episode and the last episode. Because I, I just, I mean, how it starts is enough to get you excited, but I just want to see how it's going to end most of the time. So what happens is, is, is the same thing in your life when you get the Bible and, and it's like all these episodes are delivered to us that we have the opportunity to look at. But we want to, not you and me, but society and Christianity for too long has looked at it through the lens of a baby and said, I'm going to need somebody to feed me. All the while, children that have to be spoon fed past the age of about three or four usually have some type of a developmental challenge. So why would we want our spiritual life to be as if we have a developmental challenge? So for you and for me, there's a place there where coming here and coming to the house of God and having the word of God taught over you, in you, through you, to you, what that should be doing is it should be coming alongside the meal that you ate all week long. We go to church twice a week here. If you only ate twice a week, you would not, well, maybe you would be healthy. I don't know. <laughs> but if you only ate twice a week, sooner or later, you'd have some, some malnourishment problems. Why would we think our spiritual life is different? If all we do is eat twice a week, now don't get me wrong, like, like don't let it be something that keeps you from the house of God, just like whenever, uh, just like in anything else, God is not out to get his children, he's out to rescue and, and, and to empower his children, but your consumption of the living word of God, the bread, that the, the word of God that proceeds out of the mouth of God is literally what you are supposed to be sustained off of consistently as opposed to just this twice a week game. That's why we have our life groups. That's why, that's why you have your Bible. The most underread book in, the, in, in, in society is the Bible and it has more power than every book that's ever been written. So if we had a radical understanding of what the Bible says because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing but it doesn't come by just hearing anything. It comes by hearing the word of God. If we said it a different way, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing. That means when you're going, you got to keep going and going. You remember the Energizer Bunny? And going and going. It's the same thing with your faith. Hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. And whenever we start talking about Moses and the Red Sea, you don't sit back and go, oh, yeah, that's right. The, the, the sea's going to part. I remember that. Okay. On the exact contrary, you say, thank God I have a foundation of what the big picture is in this story. And now I can actually pay attention to the subtle little details that I missed. That's what's called revelation. That is when something is revealed to you that was, listen to me, always there. You just see it now. That's what revelation is. And I don't mind telling you, it's one of the, it's, it's one of the primary areas of my life personally that I just, it's like one of the happiest places that I go. Revelation. 
When God tells me something I didn't know or I see something I didn't see or whatever the word, however you, you're you supposed to legally say it, it's one of my favorite things. But the problem is, it's kind of like, uh, you remember CDs, compact disc, way back when? For all you other folks, co- uh, uh, cassette tapes. What was the one before that? Eight track? What was the one before that? What was the one before that? Dinosaur. (laughs) Jesus, take the wheel. When you buy a CD or you bought a CD back when CDs were a thing, usually it wasn't 12 songs and they were all your favorite. But to get the one or two that you really liked, you had to buy the 12. It's no different with anything else. When you read the Bible, there is definitely going to just be some information and some content that you have to just get through and work through in order for you to find the diamonds. See, when they when they mine for gold up in the Yukon and whatnot, they move tons and tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of of literally worthless dirt for ounces of gold that pay for the whole thing. So you got to get excited about the mining process or you'll never value the gold. So when you go, when you come to the house of God or whenever you're, you're, you're at your home and you, 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 you say you have some quiet time, you say, well, I don't really have any quiet time. Okay, here we go. You make some quiet time. Well, I'm so tired when I go to bed. Well, praise the Lord. Read the Bible tired. Well, I'm tired in the morning. Read the Bible tired. I'm awake at noon. Stop eating Subway every day and read your Bible. Or read your Bible while you're eating Subway. But the biggest one is this. You get rid of excuses. There's everybody on the planet has 24 hours in a day. So anytime you say, I didn't have time, what you actually said is, I prioritized something else. Dr. Jerry Savelle, who's a general in the faith, was taught from this pulpit before. He got radically born again and saved, and he felt like the Lord told him to work for him full time. So he said, well, I used to work for the, you know, these job full time, eight hours a day. I'm going to read my Bible eight hours a day. I'm going to read my Bible eight hours a day. And he said, the problem was he kept falling asleep. Anybody ever fall asleep reading your Bible? If you hadn't ever fallen asleep reading your Bible, you probably never read your Bible. <laughs> but he said, he said, I know what I'm going to do. And he went and he stood on the edge of the bathtub. Just like this. Reading the Bible out loud. And he said, if I fall asleep now, I'm going to pay for it. <laughs> In other words, he prioritized the word over all these other distractions. And this is not an excuse for you to be away from your children, by the way. There's nothing wrong with your children seeing you reading the Bible. They should see you reading the Bible. Read it with them. Find some Bible stories and read them with them. He said, well, I don't know how to find them. (laughs) It is 2021. That might have been a valid excuse 100 years ago. But it is not a valid excuse now. Anything you want to find, you find. 
I mean, I found the multicolored rice in the grocery store. Anything you want to find, you will find. If you, if, if, if I said, meet me at Disney World and, 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 and I told you I got tickets for you, I promise you, you would not require me to tell you how to get there. You would find a way. You would ask Google or Bing or Siri or Alexa. And if you really want to go old school, you'd pull out your Rand McNally Road Atlas. Praise the Lord. If you don't know it, we're talking about kingdom culture tonight. I'm only going to make one point. I've been making it all night. I'm just going to enunciate it for you. An attribute of kingdom culture is we value the Bible. Don't tell me about another book. If you're not already willing to submit that it is under the Bible. Don't tell me about an experience as if everybody has to believe what you saw instead of believing the Bible. There's nothing wrong with experiences. There are plenty of experiences that you can't explain other than a sign or a wonder. They are very real. You might hear me talk about them from a testimony standpoint, but never in my life would I tell you you have to believe it. What you do have to believe, though, is he is the way, the truth, and the life. What you do have to believe is he was sent from heaven, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life for 33 years, hung on a sinner's cross, was crucified for you and me, and three days later walked out of a borrowed tomb, healthy as could be, having paid the price for us. That is what you must believe. Everything else is icing on the cake. We walked in our house one night after, after the Lord spoke to me and said that he was about to give us wonders. Walked in our house and on almost every window of the house there was a perfect imprint of a butterfly this big. Complete with the antenna and it, this big. Windows 20 feet in the air, windows on the ground, windows. It was, it was radical. We walked in there and the only thing that I could just, the only way I could really describe it was it was so obvious that God was just in it. And I, and I don't, I don't know. I don't have a verse where butterflies appear on windows. So I don't want you to hang your faith on it. Let me tell you something else too. Another little secret. My faith's not hanging on it. Did it happen? Yes. Am I glad? I was radically moved. It gave us a great opportunity to pray and thank God. I asked my children, what do you think? And one of them said, Daddy, I think it's like us. I said, what do you mean? They said, well, you know how a butterfly doesn't start as a butterfly. It starts as a caterpillar. And then it's kind of like it's born again. And when it is born again, it no longer crawls but flies. So God can do anything, but you don't hang your faith on, on the wonders and the signs as a dominant, in a dominant position over the word. You have to let the word of God be the absolute truth in your life. And I have found the more committed to the words you get, the more signs and wonders you get to experience. 
Because signs and wonders, I think God is aware that they can make you fruity real quick. I've lived a while. You get around, you get around certain people, they don't want to ever quote a scripture, but they want to just talk about the Shekinah glory all day long. Nothing wrong with the Shekinah glory. That's where I want to live. But if we don't get grounded in the Word of God, if we're not standing on the Bible, now all of a sudden, all the questions are all these little fringe questions. This too much for a charismatic church? All these little fringe questions where everything is always these outlying things and so-and-so prophesied this and such-and-such prophesied that. And and I'm sitting there going, I watched them be wrong. Why do you keep referencing somebody that's wrong all the time? Well, you know, it just hadn't come to pass yet. They gave a date. So what happens is, 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 Insecure or deceived people try to get people to follow their unction more than following the book. And an unction will always have an element of you in it. That's why you don't live your life based on an unction. Now, that doesn't mean not submitted to the word of God, not being submitted when, when prophecy is given, not being submitted when a word is given. But all that stuff's got to register in your spirit. Listen, if somebody, I don't care if somebody can come up to you and tell you your first, middle, and last name. If they prophesy something crazy to you and it doesn't register with you in your spirit, you can remember it. But don't you go living after it. The Bible says that the devil will hide himself as an angel of light. Do you remember the woman that followed, uh, was it Paul around? Yeah, followed Paul around uh, after he had gone and he, he had found a woman named Lydia and uh, everybody got baptized and everybody was all uh, uh, thrilled to be serving God and he's walking through the marketplace and this woman's following him around and she was a soothsayer. She was a fortune teller and she would go and tell people their fortune and other and, and, and she would get paid for it and then she'd pay these men. Uh, so they were just using her, but she clearly had some type of an element of clairvoyance to her where she could say something because everybody wants to talk about the power of God but the devil does have some power it's just subordinate to the power of God but there are things that you can tap into so this lady's following Paul around going whoo this man's preaching the gospel whoo he's he's showing us the way and Paul knew in his spirit she's saying something that's right or sounds right but it doesn't register he turned around and actually told the devil to get out of her and the guys that she worked for now wanted Paul dead because she could no longer use demonic influence to administer some clairvoyant information. So what happens is, is just because somebody can tell you the future doesn't mean they're working for God. So you got to be real careful. I always get tickled when, when, when people come to me and say, yeah, I just see things. Well, what do you see? Well, I mean, I just see things. Well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not belittling that. We should stir up those gifts and all that other stuff. But if it's not looking straight through the lens of the Bible, I'll be honest with you, I don't want to hear it. Nobody in here, but, but over the years, plenty of people walked up to me, said, I had a word for you. I said, praise the Lord, tell me. They start talking and I can tell you usually within about five seconds if it's God or if it's beans. And sometimes it's the devil. It's a good person 
that love, that may even love God, but they might be immature. They're usually not immature in, in, in life and society, but they're almost always immature in the Bible. Because they don't know that in the New Testament, prophecy is designed for exhortation and edification. You don't need somebody to tell you what's going to happen 22 years from now. You need somebody to read the Bible out loud to you. So you can get more faith. I don't want to have to put my faith in somebody else. I want to put my faith in Jesus. Because the next step, since we've already stepped in it. The next step, when somebody, when somebody prophesies to you and you don't immediately go, well, that was God. Wow. Jehovah just spoke through you. I'm actually changing my entire life and I'm going to do everything you just said. The minute you don't do that, now they're offended with you. You don't believe me? Do you think I didn't hear from God? I'm just telling you, when you said, when you say this all the time, God told me blank. Somebody who loves God and honors God's word will not give you their unadulterated opinion. Because the minute you say, God told me, you just said, I don't think anything else could be right. And somebody who might have a lot of wisdom and experience will reserve their opinion for the sake of the relationship. Say la. So don't be quick. I'll tell you something. I don't know if this is, I don't know. When I feel like God is asking me to say something specific, I usually have asked him to repeat it three times before I'm willing to say it. And many, many, many times I will know something and never say it because sometimes he's just trying to protect you, not necessarily trying to put you in a conflict with someone else. Because the minute you know somebody else is either you just know something. If you try to front that, they can either get defensive, repent, or anything in between. And most of the time when I've seen it play out, it's usually not repentance first. That usually comes along later. And I have found that it usually comes along when you have kept your mouth shut more than it does when you have opened your mouth. You did this. You did that. Here's where you went wrong. Nobody, every now and then you're going to have enough equity in somebody's life to share at that level. Your your personal family, those things, certainly your children. You should be helping your spouse see what they can't see. But society needs to see us love, not see that we can see everywhere they're wrong. Because by definition, a sinner sins. So we don't necessarily need to itemize their sins until we have introduced them to our king. 
then most of the time the Holy Spirit does the convicting, not you and me. Does this make sense? Just a couple more minutes. We value the Bible. I'm going to read this out loud, but you can turn there. Psalms 119. Start at 103. How sweet, Psalm 119, verse 103. It's a really long chapter in the Bible. How sweet are your words. One translation says, in my mouth. Or how sweet do your words taste? Yes, they are sweeter than honey. God's word to you is sweeter than anything else you could ever consume. Sometimes you just need to get an acquired taste. God's word is sweeter to you than anything else you could consume. And if if it doesn't taste good, it doesn't mean the Bible's not sweet. Has anybody ever been on a diet? I have a, a drink I drink in the morning. And it's like all these superfoods blended up and it's green. It literally looks like you're drinking like lawnmower clippings. And... When I am eating like normal, let me rephrase that. <laughs> like if I'm, you know, drink, all right, we're in Texas. When I'm drinking sweet tea, come on. When I'm wrapping my barbecue in a piece of white bread and dipping it in barbecue sauce the way God intended, that green drink tastes like the backyard. But when I'm eating clean, not consuming sugar all the time, eating vegetables on a regular basis, not heavy in, in with fillers and stopping at McDonald's two, three times a week. That green drink starts to taste sweet. The reason is, is because the more of what you shouldn't consume that you consume you alter your taste buds to the point that what actually tastes good and is good for you now tastes bitter. But his word is like honey, even if it doesn't taste like it. Through my precepts, through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore... I hate every false way. One translation says, deceitful actions. I don't use the word hate very often. Matter of fact, years ago, we told our kids that they were not allowed to say that they hate anybody. And they never, they never really did. It was just one of our standards. There, we have certain standards in our home that this we say, this we do not say. This, this we, like, like my kids at this point, in our home, we don't say dang and darn, okay? Now, I might say it every now and then, but we don't let them say it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so we came up with all these other words. And, and when they were little particularly, 
uh, they would say bomb. Like, so instead of saying dang or something else, like if they hit their foot, they'd be like, oh, bomb. And to us, we knew what it meant, but, it, but, but, but we just, we want their words. Our goal is that their words are just, you know, whatever. If they say dang or darn, I don't care. But, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like this thing. So one of the things we told them is you can't say, I hate somebody. Well, about a month ago, Walker said to me, he's 12. He said, man, one of these days, uh, uh, no, he said, it's hard to not say hate. I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, there's some things I really hate. I'm like, what? He goes, well, like, I really hate it when uh, I'm outside and ants bite my leg. I said, well, there's nothing wrong with hating ants biting your leg, son. He goes, I thought you said we can't say hate. I said, no. I said, you can't say that you hate somebody. Like, we don't say that. He goes, well, I know that, Dad. Are you telling me I can say the word hate? I said, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, like, just go saying it all the time just because you can say it. But, but I didn't mean you can't say the word hate. He's like, hey, Lee, Trinity, we, we can say hate. I hate ants. I hate English peas. <laughs> Set them free. <laughs> so what I'm saying is like, hate shouldn't be a normal thing. And it, but, but one of the things that I really do, I can honestly say I hate it, is when people deceitfully teach something the word does not say. Because anything that takes you further from God is not the will of God. So that's what he's saying. He said, your precepts have given me understanding and I hate every area where people try to use the Bible to keep people deceived. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Most of the time, if you feel like you don't have an answer, it's because you don't have the light on. Most of the time, if you're waiting to hear from God, God's waiting for you to open the lantern. A lamp to my feet and a light to my path. One thing that a flashlight does not do is turn corners. So you're going to have to take a step with the lamp that you have until you get to a crossroad or you get to a dead end and then understand God will give you the instruction on where you should turn, but you will never get to the place of turning until you take some steps down the path that he has actually shown in front of you. God does not give all of your steps in advance but know that every one of them has already been arranged or ordered by God so when you take a step of faith and I heard Paul Crouch say this one time and I love the definition he said faith is going to the edge of all the light you can see and taking one more step 
Faith is trusting that he's going to do what he said. And his word is the place where your faith is built. And if our church is going to be known for anything, we must be known for standing on his word. We must be known. We can have all the charismata. We can have all the gifts of the spirit. We can be as passionate as we want to be. But if we do not come back to the stability of the word of almighty God, we will have fractures and and, and fissures and breaks and shifts. Is fissure a word? We'll have fractures in every direction. Because every element of your gift has an element of you in it. And every page of his book has an element of him in it. So we have to come back. We're talking about kingdom culture. We've been talking about kingdom culture for probably two months now. But one of the biggest attributes of being a citizen of this kingdom is we value the Bible. We believe the Bible. We stand on the Bible. We study the Bible. We learn the Bible. We listen to good teaching. We take time to read it ourselves. We read it with our family. We memorize the Bible. You say, well, it's hard for me to memorize stuff. So what? Memorize the Bible. Because what happens when your phone dies? The only sword you can swing is the sword you have. And if you will write it, the Bible calls it like this, on the tablet of your heart, it can never be taken from you. Does this make sense? Can we give God a hand of praise tonight? I'm done teaching. Uh, before you leave, make sure, I'll dismiss, dismiss this in just a second. Before you leave, make sure, um, thank you for being faithful in your tithes and offerings. The scripture says it is the willing and the obedient that eat or consume the good of the land. God's will for your life is to prosper and be in health, but we have to follow his precepts to experience his promises. Staying faithful in our tithes, staying faithful in our offerings, that's how he stimulates that. And I really do believe in my spirit. I believe God's been speaking to me about it, speaking to me about it for a couple of weeks now, that we're about to enter into a radical season of blessing. I really, really believe that. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.